Hi, I'm Mitchell, and you're listening to a Public Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thanks for listening. In those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior is born to you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped tightly in cloth, lying in the manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with an angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing him, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which was just as they had been told. Thank you so much, Morrisons, for reading that story to set the tone for today. We're in part two of our annual series called Poured Out. It's based on this core value. We generously pour out our resources for a mission bigger than ourselves. And one of the reasons we ask the Morrisons to read the Christmas story is because they live out what it means to be poured out. I mean, they are phenomenal. They've fostered, they've adopted, and Julia leads a ministry in our church called For the One where they help other families to foster and adopt. So they exemplify what this series is all about. And I'm really thankful that they read that because one of my favorite Christmas traditions is sitting down as a family to read the Christmas story. But I'm just curious, what's your reaction to hearing the Christmas story being read? Is it, what a story, or just a story? Some of you, as you heard them reading, may have been filled with emotion and thinking, thank you, Jesus, for coming. What a story. And others of you may have been glazed over thinking, all right, let's move on. It's just a story. The reality is the Just a Story crew can include any of us on any given year. In fact, those of us who are most familiar with it are most susceptible to it, most susceptible to drifting into the Just a Story mindset and missing what Jesus wants to say to us through his entry into earth. 
And so no matter whether you're what a story, just a story, or somewhere in between, I'm convinced of something. I'm convinced that in 2020, we need the Christmas story more than ever. As we're approaching Christmas, I think a lot of us are feeling more negative emotions than positive ones. And so in the midst of this heavy Christmas season in 2020, we need the Christmas story more than ever. Why? Let's dig in. Jesus has something to say specifically to us in this year, in this heavy Christmas season, if we will dig in. Now, there's so many observations and things we could point out through this story. I mean, come on, we do come back to this every single year, okay? But here's some things that Jesus has shown me that I believe are incredibly relevant to where we are at. So first off, verse one, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. I love that phrase, all the world. If you're reading from the NIV or NLT, it may have said through the Roman world or the Roman empire. That's what the phrase means. In other words, the backdrop of this story is not just Bethlehem, an obscure village in a corner of the Roman empire. The backdrop of the story is the Roman empire, is the known world. Why does that matter? Well, let's keep digging. In fact, if we read beyond just the first 20 verses, we're introduced to an incredible character, an old man named Simeon. So Mary and Joseph bring baby Jesus into the temple. They're following the law. This is what they're supposed to do. Simeon takes the baby and he's going to bless baby Jesus. Now, all this is normal in Jewish culture. What is abnormal is what Simeon actually says. Look with me in verse 29. It says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. More on that later. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Yeah, my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. This is abnormal to grab a baby and say this baby represents rescue, deliverance, salvation. And then he says something that a lot of people would have gone, Simeon, did you just misspeak? What do you mean all peoples? See, in this setting, in this time period, what the Jewish nation, what they were longing for is for Simeon to say that God has prepared salvation in the presence of all Jewish people. That's what they wanted to hear. And Simeon says that and more. Look with me at verse 32 a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The end of verse 32 lets us know, yes, salvation comes to the Jews, but all that he's saying, this prophetic voice of Simeon, is he's saying that it's not just salvation for the Jews, it's salvation for everyone, salvation for the world, no matter who you are or what you have done. So if we look at the backdrop of the entire known world and we hear the prophetic voice of Simeon, here's the big idea today. Jesus is for the world and for you. That Jesus came and he is for the world and he's for you. This is why. 
in 2020, we need the Christmas story more than ever. We need to be reminded that Jesus' birth is for people that you and I will never meet. We will never know that they exist, but Jesus came for them and he loves them. And Jesus came for you and me. And he loves us. No matter if you feel like an insider or an outsider. No matter what churchy people may have said to you or done to you to push you away. No matter how you feel, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, Jesus is for the world and that means he is for us. We've got to feel that. We've got to internalize that this Christmas season. And when we begin to feel it and internalize it, then we are prepared to realize that Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with us. See, we skipped how Simeon got to the temple. (laughs) So let's go back there. In verse 26, it says, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. This is crazy. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, made a promise to Simeon. Simeon, you're not going to die until you meet the Lord's Christ. We'll define that in just a little bit. Do you feel the intimacy? Do you feel how personal his relationship with God was? In fact, if we were to read the next verse, it says the Spirit leads him to the temple. The Spirit of God literally said, Simeon, today I want you to go to this specific place, the temple, and that's where he met Jesus. And in verse 29, he basically says, God kept his personal promise to me. Do you feel that? Jesus is for the world, and Jesus is for you. He loves you, he loves me, and he wants to know us personally. And that's some good news we need this Christmas season. So we've got who Jesus came for, for the world. That means everybody, and that includes us. And in fact, if we were to look at all of Luke chapter two, Luke is an absolutely brilliant writer. His book is basically a research paper that he puts together. And in Luke chapter 2, he writes in such a way that most of his audience is going to see themselves in the story. If you're a teenager, Mary, she's a teenager. There's a young couple that's about to have a baby. There's poor, unwelcome shepherds who exist outside the religious system. If you feel like any of those labels have been attached to you, you're in the story. There's an old man named Simeon, a widow named Anna. In verse 42, we meet Jesus as a middle schooler. Middle schoolers, you're in Luke 2. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) If we go to Matthew's account, another eyewitness account of Jesus' life, we meet internationals. We call them the magi or the wise men. And we meet rich people because the magi or wise men were rich. And in case you feel left out, They're taking a census so the Romans can better tax everyone. And all of us know what it's like to pay taxes. We're all written into this story because Jesus came and he's for the world and he's for us. So what does this word for mean? 
What does it mean that Jesus is for the world and he's for us? Well, to that we go to what the angels say, beginning in verse 10. The angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Jesus brings good news when we desperately need it. And come on, somebody, don't we need some good news this Christmas season? And the good news is that Jesus is for us. He brings good news of great joy, that Jesus fills us with joy even when we don't feel it. That the joy he offers is not dependent upon external circumstances. That we don't have to wait till the good times roll in order to feel the joy of Jesus. Jesus fills us with joy when we don't feel it. In other words, in a year, like 2020. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for the world. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Jesus saves us because we can't save ourselves. I can't save myself. I could apply that to a whole lot of lessons I've learned in 2020, but it specifically applies to our sin. The fact that every single one of us has rebelled against God. We thought we were smarter than God and we knew better than God and we've chosen our way over God. Every single one of us has made a decision that benefits ourselves at the expense of someone else. That is called sin. And when it comes to sin, we can't stop it. And we need a Savior. And His name is Jesus. A Savior who is Christ. This word basically means Messiah, that He's the promised one, the long-awaited one. Jesus' presence confirms that God keeps His promises. Maybe this year, more than ever, you are doubting the promises of God. Look at the Christmas story and see that His presence on earth confirms that Jesus keeps His promises. And He is Christ the Lord. That means unrivaled King of the universe. In Luke chapter 2, we meet baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes. If we were to go to Philippians chapter 2, we meet King Jesus, who has been given the highest name in history, so that one day every knee of every person who has ever walked on planet earth will bow at the mention of his name. He is the Savior. He is Christ the Lord. And He is for the world. And He is for us. And then this one angel is joined by the armies of heaven, a multitude of angels. And in verse 14, they say, glory to God in the highest. Essentially, what they're saying is heaven is impressed with what God is doing. This is a way to say heaven is giving God a standing ovation, saying, "Woo! this is awesome. Jesus, God came to earth. This is good stuff. Unprecedented. Go, God. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, peace, peace. We dig into this word, it has an even deeper meaning. It means shalom. It's a Jewish word that doesn't just mean the absence of war. It doesn't just mean this inner sense that everything's all right. It means that everything has been set right. It's a wholeness that God introduces into the world through Jesus. And so Jesus' birth brings peace, brings shalom, 
that we can have things set right on a soul level and that one day Jesus will set things right at a global level. He brings peace. That's another way he's for us. Peace for who? Peace for those with whom God is pleased. And at this point, we're like, well, I'm out. I know not God's, no, God's not pleased with me. So I was tracking with you. I thought I was in. And now, bloop, gosh, got marked out. Which raises the question, how do we make sure God is pleased with us? It's not anything we do. It's everything Jesus has done. This language here tells us that Jesus is the one who initiates peace. And in 1 John 4.10, it says, This is real love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That we're not the initiator. Jesus is the initiator, and He died as a sacrifice to take away our sins. See this little baby boy? He grew up. And Jesus lived a perfect life and died a traitor's death. That's the essence of one of the most famous scriptures ever, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, include you and me, that he gave, that he poured out his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. See, the angel's words at Jesus' birth point to the life we gain through Jesus' death. (laughs) That Jesus lived a perfect life and died a traitor's death, and he offers us eternal life. That means a relationship with God that begins now and never ends. A hope beyond just our time on earth. That right now on earth, Jesus will begin to set things right in our soul. And that one day, we'll have an unhindered relationship with Jesus when we die and go to heaven. And everything will be set right. The angel's words at Jesus' birth point us to the life we gain through Jesus' death. So what do we do when we realize, when we feel when we experience the fact that Jesus is for the world and he's for us, we run to him. That's the action today. We run to him. If you don't follow Jesus, we invite you to run to Jesus for the very first time. To run to him and find a Jesus that didn't say, figure out how to get to me. He came to us. He is our savior. He is the king. He is the promised one. And he wants to have a personal relationship with you. In fact, just like the Holy Spirit led Simeon to the temple to encounter Jesus, the Holy Spirit led you to this online gathering to encounter Jesus, whether you realize it or not. So today, if you want to surrender to Jesus, who was born and lived a perfect life and died and rose again, I just invite you to start talking to him right now. Stop listening to me and start talking to him. Just tell him something like, Jesus, you came and you were perfect and you died and you rose again. And Jesus, I'm messed up and I can't fix myself. So Jesus, would you save me? There's no magic in any of those words. Just be honest and authentic before God. 
And if you pray a prayer like that, or if you have any questions, please text us 423-665-9317. Our team would love to have a conversation with you. So we realize that Jesus is for the world, that he's for us. We run to him. Jesus followers, that includes us. We run to him over and over. The temptations are countless to run to so many other things, so many other people other than Jesus. But who else lived a perfect life and died a traitor's death for you? Who else left heaven and came to earth for you and for me? No one but Jesus. So this Christmas season, in the middle of all the distractions, let's run to Jesus. And Jesus followers, I am begging you, if you are not in the word, we cannot run to Jesus unless we're spending time in his word. And if you don't know what to read, message us, text that same number, contact us on social media or through our app, reach out, we'd love to talk with you. And just as a starting point, just read Luke, just pick up with the Christmas story and read this research paper about Jesus's life. Man, let's run to Jesus this Christmas season because he is for us. So we're gonna end our gathering today with something incredibly special. See, our team refused to settle and they worked really hard to make this Christmas celebration memorable for all of us, to give us a moment that we're about to experience where we can see and feel how Jesus is for us. So here's what we're gonna get to watch. It's never before released footage from our opener at the 2019 Christmas Spectacular. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the Christmas Spectacular, please stick with us, join the family, if for no other reason than to get to the 2021 Christmas Spectacular, because it's gonna be awesome and we want you to experience it. But this is gonna give us a glimpse. And look, we've had so many plans, we've pivoted so many times, but I'm absolutely convinced that this is the moment that Jesus has prepared for you and for me. So maybe you were there and like, ah, I lived through this. Man, I'm telling you, when you watch it, it's like a brand new experience. So I hope you lean in. I hope you enjoy this reminder that Jesus is for the world. He's for Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social medias at a public church or through our app or website, publicchurch.com. To give towards the vision of public church, you can do so through our app or website via PushPay or by texting public church in all caps and no space to 77977. Again, thanks for listening 